Hello from Cybrary, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cybrary podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cybrary.it. From all of us at Cybrary, thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome, 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 people that are joining us today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, no matter where you are, good day to you. Um, I always like to start this out, which is, where are y'all located? I'm based in San Francisco Bay Area. David, where are you right now? I am actually in a car in Akron, Ohio uh, right now. So I had a little bit of a uh, a scheduling snafu happened where I thought I was going to be on site at a customer and uh, at, at our location. So I'm in my normal clothes, which is gym shorts and a t-shirt. And I'm actually supposed to be at the customer site, which they're definitely not gym shorts and a t-shirt. So um, I'm at a car right now across from the customer's uh, street, uh, just uh, doing doing this from from the car. So I apologize <laughs> for, the, for the car, but uh, I got good cell reception and internet. And I think we should be all set for this though. You probably have better reception than I do today. But yeah, so if anyone ever wanted to know what it's the life like for being a CEO or a founder of a company, it's basically being in your car and having to figure out last minute of any events. I have a friend bringing me a bag of clothes that I'm going to change into right after we get off of this. So it, it should work out, but uh was not, was not anticipated. But I was like, I got there an hour early. I'm like, like, you know what? Got that, you know, I got the webinar with Chloe. It's gonna be great. I got plenty of time in between. And then I get a message like, hey, uh, when are you all getting to the customer site? I'm like, uh-oh, not good. So, anyways, <laughs> I tolerating <appreciate> me. <laughs> all right. So we have some people from Oregon here, Ohio. Where else is everyone from? All right. Well, while people are chatting, Boston. Ooh, nice. Um, if you're in Boston, have you ever been to Eat by Chloe? Not a product placement here, but I'm just saying it has my name and it's really good. And so you should go and check it out. Um, ooh, okay. We have Tallahassee. Oh yeah. Definitely go check it out. Bostoners. Um, I think it's actually Bostonians. I could be wrong or right on that one. Okay. We have Florida, LA, Atlanta, India, Nigeria, Montreal, Romania, North Dakota, Lafayette, Melbourne, and Arlington. All right, we have people from all over the world today. This is exciting. Toronto, nice. All right, so today we're going to talk about the cybersecurity skills shortage. Is there a shortage or is there not? We're going to answer that question probably within 10 seconds or maybe one second, which is, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, Dave, you think so too? Definitely a skill yeah. shortage. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Now y'all, you don't need to watch the rest of this. That's the answer today. No. <laughs> That's um, such a webinar. Man, this, you make it so easy. All right, I'll see y'all later. All right. <laughs> um, so basically what we're going to do in today, we're having a fireside chat. So if you have any questions at any time, like feel free to put it in the Q&A section. It might get lost in the chat. So just be aware of that. So if you have any questions at any time, feel free to drop it there. We'll be keeping an eye on it and we'll be answering any questions that you have. But let's first talk about the first question, which everyone is here for, which is, yeah, skill shortage 
is a real thing. It is very much apparent in cybersecurity. Um, a lot of times when we think of like a shortage of personnel, what we also are really, what we mean is we have a shortage of skills that's happening and that's why we're having the shortage of personnel. And so David Kennedy, as y'all may know, um, he is the CEO and founder of TrustSec. And so he's going to be able to share a little bit more on this front, but also he had this tweet that went out a good number of months ago, which grabbed a lot of people's attention about the shortage of skills in our field and how we need to start working towards fixing that. So Dave, what created you to write that tweet? It's a good question. Um, so I run two cybersecurity companies, Trusted Tech and Binary Defense, and you know both uh, you know, around 150 to 200 people each uh, in each company and organization. And we're growing leaps and bounds, which is a great thing to have. The issue that we run into is uh, finding qualified people for positions. And there was a, a question that was just uh, asked, which I think, you know, is going to hit on this topic really closely. Candace asked, you know, my biggest question is, why is there a skill shortage uh, when all of the listings are for senior positions? Wouldn't it make sense to hire junior positions and train them up? And I think that's the issue that we're running into is that when you talk about the skill shortage that we have today, it's companies that want folks that have five or 10 years in security, that have assist, that have gone through SANS, have gone through all these college courses, have great, you know, graduate degrees. And, you know, and 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 what we really should be focusing on is getting people trained up. Like what you folks do from a career curriculum perspective of building out training programs to get people with applied hands-on training is very different than than being able to hire senior level folks because there's a shortage of those. So I think the issue that we run into is when we have a posting for a senior level position, the senior pool is very limited and it's created this um, issue around salary comp compensation. Like companies have a, a really tough time paying people what um, the market is demanding because it's such a skill shortage. Uh, and then you start to look at well, getting new people into to the organization that takes time and effort to, to bring up. And I'll be perfectly honest, like we um, do a lot of interviews for junior level folks that we want to train up and they come out of college programs, but they don't even have a basic understanding of the fundamentals of, you know, security, network security, IT security, IT infrastructure, anything cloud. They're, they're basically more conceptual, high level discussions that they're going through in these college courses. And it's not more of an apprenticeship where you're actually doing hands-on and learning. And I think that's the problem that we have is that, you know, security is not a entry-level position where you can really come out of high school and then land a junior position unless you're trained from an apprenticeship perspective or you're able to, you know, actually do hands-on type skills or work in this field. That's the issue that, that we're running into. So, you know, we're trying to address it. We have um, various programs within Trusted Second Binary Defense for internship positions where we train junior folks up to get them the right level of, of hands-on experience so that they can go into the workforce. But this is an industry-wide problem. It's something that I'm not going to be able to solve myself. We need to get these kids coming out and, and really, you know, it's, it's, we're doing a disservice to our next generation of kids uh, and, and not just kids, people coming out of the military, people that are trying to, sh you know, shift into a different uh, career path. We need to focus on training these folks coming into it to really fix the skill shortage that we have. It's not a people shortage. When, when we put a resume up, you know, we'll put a resume up for a, a threat hunting internship position, we'll get 900 submissions. Out of those 900, maybe 10 of them are qualified to even, you know, remotely have the experience to even be in an internship position. So 
you know, we have to fix that skill shortage problem, not necessarily the people aspect problem of it. And it comes down to, I think, working with colleges so that they're actually training and hands-on perspective, providing the right amount of of, of um, technical uh, type type fields that they can go into in specializations. It's getting them through apprenticeship type trainings, like what you folks do and trying to get, you know, people trained in different areas. You know, I, what I was um, admiring on, on what, what Cyber does is that you have like different career paths that you can do. And let's just say it's a five month training course dedicating three hours a week towards training. You know, um, it'll in five months, you you know, you have these skills and, and ability. And I looked at the course curriculum and syllabuses and everything. And it's actually we're looking at doing a binary defense for, for some of our, uh, you know, interns coming in from a SOC analyst perspective, but teaching them hands on things, actually applied learning um, in specific technologies and fields. That's really important. And that's so valuable today. I would rather focus on apprenticeships with these kids coming out than I would for college courses or anything else because they're just wasting their money. And it's, it's unfortunate you're putting these kids in debt, you know, early on and they can't find a job and they're like, they get so disgruntled at security that they move into a different position and they don't even get to use a degree. So we have, we have to fix that. That's something we really have to address in our industry. Yeah. It's definitely like play by the rules situation, right? It's like go to college, get this degree, get this cert and you'll get a job. But the thing is that that's not what's happening. And it's because there's not um, most of the times these programs are not technical enough, but the other thing is that you have hiring managers that are like, we need someone to start on day one and knows how to do everything. But the reality is that for almost every single job out there, that doesn't exist. And the reality, you are supposed to start training them for at least for the first three months while they start their career at that company and in that role. Even if it is the same role that you had at a previous company, those three months are your training and your onboarding. So it's kind of one of those things where you see these, we're looking for entry-level folks. We're like, but we need these years of experience. Also, we want all the following things too as well. And then they're like, I can't understand. Why can't I find this person? And it's one of those things at the end of the day, it's, you know, two thirds of your security team are, you know, entry and junior level. So the best way how you could do that is really just invest in them. And I, it's one of those things that I don't understand why it's so hard to understand that part that we have to invest in people so then they can get their skills. So then they keep us safe and our security team safe and not just expecting a unicorn to pop out and be like, Hey, I saw your entry level role and I, I want to apply and I have five years of experience and I want you to pay me that entry level salary and I have all the skills in the world. That's not happening. So what can hiring managers what can they do besides, you know, invest in like a training um, program like such as cyber and others? Well, I think it's it's a combination of of training is one aspect of it, getting the people the right amount of skills to be able to do it. But it's it's giving folks that are hungry and eager to, to build their careers, to learn, to contribute to making the world a safer place and helping protect organizations and companies. You know, it's the found it's those types of folks that that you want to hire in your in your company that you want to spend the time to actually go and, and promote them through. And here's the thing, um, you know, if you look at kind of like the different generational gaps and everybody talks about like boomers and everybody else, I think I'm in the boomer category or something like that now. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, uh, the the newer generation of kids, I hear you know a lot of older folks complain about them as like, oh, they don't want to work through this. No, it's actually the exact opposite. They want to be part of something that they can contribute to and that they have a meaningful role in it because they want to accomplish something out of life. You know, they want to be in a company that supports what they want to do, their initiatives, 
um, and and how they work uh, from an, a work ethics perspective. And I'll tell you some of the best kids that, that I've hired that are some of the smartest, most brilliant minds that have ever came, came from this generation, you know, this new generation that's coming out of school. And it's finding those kids that are eager to learn and, and want to be trained. And then from there, giving them the access to be able to do that, you know, giving them access to people so that they learn from others, um, being able to give them access to training so they can learn from others. But that requires you to have a program within your organization that can, can ingest those people that can have essentially mentors within that, that program and that will eventually build them up from a, a knowledge and expertise perspective. And those are some of my most loyal folks. You give them the opportunity to come in. I think it's really something that is special because you can really help these, these folks getting into the industry, but also create that loyalty and great culture that you have within an organization to maintain those people and maintain that talent. I agree. And like uh, a couple of cases I've heard in the past few weeks are that people are going on YouTube to learn these skills for their work. And what they'll do is because they're looking for something affordable and accessible. YouTube is free, right? So they go to YouTube and then they're like, oh, I'm going to learn how to exploit this situation. Um, and then what ends up happening is they download a tool that's malicious. And so we see that a lot too for people that are just starting because they, they're eager to learn, but also they don't understand also that this is also an entry point for something malicious to happen to them. So it's, it's definitely one of the things that came to me um, when I read this other question, and, and Dave, this is to you. Um, are there skill shortages in non-technical roles in cybersecurity? And are there non-technical roles in this space? And absolutely, like when you're joining, you need to understand our, our industry as much as possible, the hacker space, the uh, executive corporate space, or we call suits space. You need to understand both parties. Um, so then you come in safe protecting yourself, but also to know about the different roles that exist that are non-technical too. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, from a from a non-technical role perspective, there's plenty. I mean, even just specializations in sales and marketing uh, in cybersecurity or IT and governance that may be less technical in nature, where it's more building security programs and interfacing and liaising, liaising with the business. Um, you know, one thing that's been very popular in a lot of organizations, especially in the financial industry, is BSOs, not CISOs. So business security officers that are basically the business liaison between security and communicating their initiatives and how do you interface with the technical elements of security with business operations um, to, to help promote security within the organization, security culture and everything else. So there's a lot of different roles that aren't necessarily technical in nature, but require a vast understanding around the cybersecurity field and how to navigate that. And I think that's equally important. Uh, you know, at Trusted Second Binary, we have, you know, sales and marketing folks that specialize in cybersecurity. They're very hard to find. You know, it's hard to find sales folks that are specifically dedicated, you know, to uh, cybersecurity. It's it's hard to find people that are specifically dedicated to PCI, for example, or other areas. So, you know, again, more on the technical nature, but on the, on, on the PCI side. But again, there's a lot of different roles here that um, really play a big, big part in what we consider cybersecurity today. And, you know, hacker culture is definitely a part of that, you know, and, and even in hacker culture, so much, you know, on the technical side, there's so many different specializations. I mean, you have mobile security, you have forensics, you have incident response, you have threat hunting, you have web, you know, web application security, mobile, you have penetration testing, you have defense, you have monitoring detection, you have SOC analysts, you know, there's so many different professions and specializations and skills in our own industry that, you know, to get to, to and that's, I guess, I, I guess that's the issue that I run into with, with colleges is that, you know, you get this broad swoop of everything, 
but you don't even really know what you like to do or what your specialization is to home in on that tradecraft of what is going to make your career successful. You kind of have an idea of, hey, there's all these things out here and you know a little bit about each individual one, but you really don't know much about a given subject or what you actually enjoy doing. So again, it's kind of a fundamental problem of knowledge and homing kids into more of a applied hands-on or areas that they really want to be successful in. Yeah. And I've, I've had conversations in the past where people will reach out and they're like, oh, I want to become a pen tester. And they're like, I'm going to go to uh, get my master's in cybersecurity. I'm like, why, why do you want to get a master's in cybersecurity? Oh, I want to understand more about pen testing and, and get into it. I'm like, you know, the best hackers in the world don't know how to code. Many of them don't. And then also additionally, not all of them have college degrees or even certs for that matter. Like most attackers, do you think they're like, oh, I can't do this and until I get my cert, like a college degree. No, it's just basically is being curious. And, and that's the one thing about security teams is that we're seeing more and more uh, job postings out there that aren't asking for you to have a college degree. They're asking you to just be willing to roll up your sleeves and learn. But also, you can always tell in a job description when they're like, we also want to invest in your time and to keep you training. So we're willing to work with you. And it's nice to see that once in a while. It's rare, but it's fun to see. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you look at at how people want to want to get into this industry, it, and there's a, there's a question there, I think, parlays into what we're talking about here around what are the fundamental skills to look for from an entry-level perspective? What are you looking for from an entry-level perspective? And like, what entry-level certs? And here's the thing, like, for us, we don't necessarily care that you've gone to college. For me, I got my my degree in uh, bachelor's of arts, um, business management, because I had to get a degree because I was getting promoted to chief security officer at a Fortune 1000 company. Like, you must have a degree, and I'm like, okay, literally, I built my whole career. I, I you know, I'm, I'm 15 years in my my you know, or 10 years into my you know, uh, my career, and I got to get I got to get a degree now. Got it. Okay, so I went and just got the fastest degree I possibly could. Um, and so, you know, you look at at what fundamental skills that we typically look for to hire at Trusted Tech or Binary or other organizations look at, you know, peers in our space like Black Hills and a lot of those other folks. Um, you know, what we look for is, so let's just say we have somebody that has a college degree and all they list is their college degree. But then we have somebody that has no college degree. And in there, we see that you're doing CTFs, you're doing online learning. You're doing, uh, you know, you have a GitHub page where you're publishing cool stuff, even if it's, you know, nothing specific. You're just, you're just, uh, you know, automating things that you thought were complex. Or you just have a fundamental understanding of, of programming techniques, uh, you know, and, and you compete in certain things. And again, you don't have to get first place. You don't have to get 10th place. You don't have to get 100th place. But you're just the, the drive of showing that you want to learn and that you're actively teaching yourself. That is something that I would take over somebody with a college degree, hands down, anytime. Uh, because you're showing that you can learn by yourself. You're a self-starter. But second, that you have the passion to actually go and learn. And you already have a fundamental understanding if you're doing CTFs, if you're doing this, you're doing that. Um, so, you know, for me, it has nothing to do with degrees. It has everything to do with what that person does. And if you have a degree representing uh, what you do outside of that, to, to go above and beyond what that degree represents uh, is very helpful for me to understand. Is that a good candidate for me to bring into the company? Yeah. Like, uh, for example, my background is I have a master's in international relations, but the thing is, is that I put down in there a description about what my degree was actually in, which was like applying statistics and analytics and, and quantitative qualitative research. So when you put that there, then people are like, oh, 
that makes sense for you to join us. So it's one of those things, if you have a degree, share like one quick little like snippet of a line saying like what you actually studied and how that's related. And you don't have to say, I, this is related because this list out the, the skills that is needed for security that you've learned that could be applicable. Um, on the entry level things, Dave, you're a hundred percent right. Like I, when I see a resume for a security person, I'm always like looking to see what, what are they doing to try to get their foot in the door? So if they have a blog, like they created a blog or they have that GitHub page, perfect. I also love seeing um, when they apply what they've learned. So for example, seeing them complete labs, um, seeing them if there are a pen tester, like I wanna see them doing bug bounty work. And of course, if you are doing that, only list public ones, don't list any private ones. Um, and you know the reason why you should not be doing that. But that is, those are some of the things you can do. Uh, we have some other questions. Next one. Um, is it true for a fact that 60% of cybersec roles are not even posted, but are hired internally? If yes, why is that? Um, I, I, I don't see that personally. I think, you know, what we see is there's always a uh, desire to promote from within, uh, especially if you've already been established, you're a known entity, you know, career progression is very much a, a big thing for me. Um, most of my leaders inside of Trusted Tech have been promoted from within. Uh, we have folks like uh, Kelsey Segrew, who came from Kent State University, that came in as a, as a uh, junior and intern uh, to our thing. She's a, now a you know senior security consultant, uh, running you know really awesome stuff in the application security team. And you know, so you know, I like to promote from within, and you know, people that demonstrate uh, what they're doing, you know, promote within. But don't 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 take that as sixty percent of cybersec roles aren't even posted. We we post new hires all the time. You know, as a growing company. Um, those are things that we always have to keep looking at is how do we grow larger and add more awesome folks into our teams. So I would say the promotion within is is more of a lower subset of what we do. And we're always continuously hiring within the company or outside of the company to bring more folks in. Um, and we'll see that too, you know, continuously at other organizations. What we're seeing right now is actually like a, um, a, a, a pulling of people all over because we're at such a skill shortage of, of things. So you'll have, you know, a cybersecurity team and then all of a sudden now you get this company that gets a massive VC and it's like, oh, I'm going to pay double your salary. So they go after these companies and they hire these companies and pay them insane amounts of money just to come aboard. Uh, and then you'll see, you know, new job openings being uh, requested, you know, for, for filling that back gap. So, you know, right now it's more of a, a pulling from different organizations and then trying to repost to get those positions filled, especially if you get a few years of experience. But I don't typically see that being 60% of, of the workforce, most of it is coming from, from external. There's a lot of job postings out there for cybersecurity, but again, it's very much on the, you mu typically it's, all, you must always have the experience. You must have this, you must have this, you must be a senior, you must have 10 years of blah. You know, it's, it's crazy, um, you know, but we, we have to fix that. Yeah, I haven't really seen the 60% either. And I, it, most of the time, the internal ones, what I have noticed is say, for example, you're on marketing, and you start like really learning about cybersecurity and then you're like, oh, I really want to learn these skills. So then you start learning those skills. Next thing you know, it's like, oh, I think I want to join the security team. That's an internal move. So that's, we do see that we'll see, especially from people from IT that are like switching over to, to a security team. So that's internal as well. So don't know about that stat, haven't seen it, but those are some other things to keep in mind on the internal side. 
is there's always a person to join a security team, no matter what, they're always looking for someone to join a security team at most companies. And so some of the best folks I've hired have come from IT, for example, we had an uh, exchange administrator, his name was Ryan, you know, that we brought over to our team and became one of our best, you know, defensive folks, because he understood IT infrastructure architecture and, you know, the deficiencies that he would have done, you know, not knowing cybersecurity. So, you know, you can, you can definitely find some amazing people coming from different organizations and groups within your own company, or even, you know, one that wants to you know, bridge over from IT to, to security. Uh, we had a, um, a person join recently that was a application developer, but really loves cybersecurity and was doing CTFs at night and things like that. And uh, he, he, we hired him and he's been absolutely incredible. You know, great addition to the team, amazing web application security person, was able to hit the ground running almost day one. Uh, you know, those are types of folks that we're looking for, right? But again, we still have to fix the training aspect of getting new folks in, but making those career shifts when you already have a good foundation is also really cool. Yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, the apprenticeship, that is a great opportunity because, I mean, we used to do that all the time back in the day for most jobs. It's like the apprentice. And then, you know, from there you learn the skills. It's hands-on learning. I don't know about you, Dave, but I'm one of those people that's like, put me in the weeds so I understand that's, what's going on here. Um, I, I have to be doing it. Um, it's, it's interesting. I actually almost failed out of high school because I didn't like just reading books and everything else. I was always programming video games and figuring out how to code in C and how to build computers. Like that's how I learned. And a very similar thing for, for this industry and how I was able to get, you know, specialized in offensive and defensive security is hands-on approaches of literally going through it and figuring things out and working with others. And that's how I learn as well. Yeah. For the longest time when I was in school, you know, they give you a list of books you have to read. And I was just like, oh man, I cannot focus when I read. Maybe I have a problem. And then what I found out was that when I start reading nonfiction, I don't have that problem. So it's one of those things that like you have to be passionate behind it. If you're not passionate about what you read or what you're learning, then maybe that's a hint that this may not be something for you. And that's okay because that's just you and you're getting to know yourself. And um, I would say like the one question I get a lot on social media, well, the DM saying like, I want to be mentored. I want to get into the space. And then I always ask on the technical side, what are you looking at? Are you looking for a red team, blue team, purple team? And they're not aware of those three. And so it's one of those things that um, I don't know, Dave, you, I'm sure you probably get that question too. It seems like a very common question people ask. Um, what are some uh, tips that you have for people that are trying to go into one of those three? Yeah, I think, I think you hit on a point there that is extremely important, which is, you know, find what you enjoy doing. Uh, because if you don't have the motivation and passion for that specific thing, you're, you're not going to apply yourself to that and be the best you possibly can be at it. It doesn't mean that you won't be successful. It doesn't mean that you won't, you know, be able to go through that career. It just means that, you know, for me, I, I'm the type of person that I have to love what I'm doing. And if I do, I make it my hobby or my habit that I, that I get into um, and, I, and I focus in on it. And I really loved, you know, the early days of offensive security because, you know, you're figuring out new things, you're coming out with new exploits, you're writing CVEs, you know, you're doing all this really cool stuff that no one has ever done before. And it was just so, so high speed and fun and exciting. And you're going into customer environments and you're just being a hacker and physically breaking into facilities. For me, that was, it wasn't a job. It was what I enjoyed doing as a hobby you know, exploring and figuring things out. So I think, 
you know, finding what you like to do in those areas and, and homing in on that first and foremost is really important. You know, I had um, someone reach out to me recently and they're like, hey, um, I've seen how successful you are. I'm going to tell my kid that he has to go into cybersecurity. So what do you recommend for a degree? And I'm like, that's probably the opposite approach of what you want to do. Like, make sure he actually wants to get into cybersecurity, that he enjoys cybersecurity. Um, and then, you know, I'll be happy to talk about a, a career path for him in that type of situation. But, you know, at the end of the day, enjoy what you do, love what you do, um, and kind of home in on the skills that allow you to be successful. And then from there, it's not, it's a hobby, it's a habit, it's something that you enjoy doing, a healthy habit, um, and that will make you very successful in your career. For me, I applied, you know, I'd, I'd code on airplanes, I'd code at the hotel rooms, I'd code when I get home. Uh, I enjoyed doing it. I, I loved releasing new versions of the social engineer toolkit or magic unicorn or writing, you know, a book with a couple of friends, you know, on the, the Metasploit book. And you know, that's the stuff that I really enjoyed doing because it was always challenging my mind to do something that I'd never done before and to learn something different. And the, the best advice I can give folks that really struggle with that is that uh, frustration is a sign of learning. Frustration is a sign of pushing yourself to new limits. And believe me, uh, I have been frustrated many times doing things that I think I, I could never understand. You know, look at like HD more in Egypt and frack articles on like zero day data execution prevention bypasses. And I'm like, these people are so brilliant. I never understand it. And I'll sit there for, you know, a week in the basement. I mean, I'm the biggest dope, you know, I'm the biggest idiot in, in the world. And I, then eventually after all that frustration, I figure it out and it makes sense to me. And after that, you know something that you didn't know before. It's kind of like that matrix matrix moment where they put a thing in the back of your head and all of a sudden now you know Kung Fu. It's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that frustration can be a good thing to motivate you to push yourself to get past that. And when you're past that, you now have a new skill that you've learned. So, you know, cybersecurity isn't easy. Um, it's not something that, that you can learn overnight. And it's something that you continue to learn every single day. And I learn every single day still to this day. I'm 25 years in. And I learn every single day from my team, from other people in the community and industry, from new research that's going out there, from new articles I read. I love this industry and what we do. And having that same type of passion will make you absolutely successful uh, with what you do in any career that you, you, you deal with, not just cybersecurity. Absolutely. The one thing that I absolutely love about this industry and, and from a lot of technical roles, the thing is you're always wondering, you know, how does this work? And that's really at the end of the day, it's like, how does this work? How do I, how do I, like, how do I fix it? Also, it could be one of those things like, how do I prevent something bad happening? How do I break this? So think about it this way. I always tell people like, think of on your personality, say you have like a, a t-shirt and you see that there's a string coming out. Are you one of those people that's like, I wonder if this is the string that unravels everything and the shirt comes undone. And if you're one of those people that's like, I'm going to pull on that string and find out because it's annoying me. And I'm just curious. Um, maybe pendency might be good for you. <laughs> if you're more of like, oh, I need a, oh, this string is loose. This could be a problem. I'm going to sew this up and, and, you know, protect it from falling apart. You know, that might be one of those things where you think of defense. Also, if you play chess, if you're about very protective of your pawns. And this is just something I've talked with other people. Not it's not there's no scientific proof of any of this, by the way. But say if you play chess, if you're one of those people that wants to protect your pawns, like you don't want to you use them to you know be aggressive in your game. Um, maybe a blue teamer might be a good thing for you. If you're more of like 
I'm going to use, I'm going to sacrifice this piece, this piece, and this piece. So I win this game. Red teaming might be a good one for you. These are some things to think about. Think about how your personality is and then start from there. Um, we got some more questions. Okay. Next one for something like a pen tester is coming in with a cert, like an OSCP enough to get a job as one. What are ways we can demonstrate our skills? I think, I think it goes into, um, I, I think, you know, we kind of hit this a little bit before, which is it goes into kind of the whole picture that you're painting there. So, you know, the OSCP great certification that you could look at, you know, to learn hands-on in, in approaches, but is that the only thing that you've done, you know, to kind of demonstrate your skills and performance? And, the, and, and, and so the answer to that would be no with a caveat um, with what else have you try to do? Have you done a lot of online learning? Have you done CTFs? Um, you know, what does that look like? And then, you know, for us, we have practicals that we have our folks go through where they have to go through, you know, a, a um, more of a simulated environment where we can look to see as their, you know, their hands-on approach, you know, what level are they from a, a skills perspective and, and how much training is going to be involved, you know, for us. And, and, you know, we're looking for certain positions, you know, I, I want to be able to bring in as many interns as I possibly can and train them up from grounds here, but we can't always do that. We are, sometimes we need senior level resources. Sometimes we need, you know, folks that have been in for a long time. So, you know, it, it can absolutely help um, you. Uh, certifications can absolutely help you and, and build and tell you that story. But it's just one part of a lot of other things that make up who you are as a person, your interests, your hobbies, and can we train that to, you know, be very proficient at what you do um, in, in the job. Uh, absolutely. I'm just going to say ditto. <laughs> That was a good one. Okay, nice one. Hey, I'm currently working as a SOC analyst and I want to move towards the business side of things, taking cybersecurity with me. What should be my next move? I've already done my bachelor's in computer science. Should I move towards my master's? That's a great question. I mean, it depends on the business side. Are you thinking more on the executive side and, and still in security? If so, like maybe you might want to take a look at like what Dave mentioned being a BSO, um, CISO. We do have a career pathway for people that are wanting to become CISOs or learn what it's like to be a CISO and the skills you need to know. Um, yeah, Dave, anything to add on to that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, from, from a degree perspective, you know, a master's, if you're staying within, you know, academia might be beneficial. I think for a corporation or company, it's not necessary. Um, there's there's kind of two paths you go in your career. Um, one is, you know, staying technical and people, so there's some folks that love to do that forever and just want to stay technical their entire career. And, and that should be a career progression thing where you can continue to be the best you possibly can be in your in your technical ability. There's others though that, and, and this is my, my area of kind of nitpicking in the industry. We have a lot of folks in the business side of the house that, that never were in cybersecurity. So they don't understand the ins and outs, the risks, the challenges, uh, what real risk or business impact is based on, on what, what you're seeing. So you have a lot of poor decisions being made, I think, in a lot of these companies and organizations because you didn't have that foundational experience. So for those that want to bridge over into um, being more on the business side, you know, I'm much more desirable to promote folks that have a background in cybersecurity to get there. I don't think he, a, uh, between a bachelor's and a master's degree would make much of a difference for me personally. I think uh, communicating that you wanted to be a leader, that you wanted to get more into the business side of the house is, is a noble goal to shoot for. 
and you start to build out a plan to get you there. Uh, you know, maybe it's more interfacing with customers and lead designing. Maybe it's working with different business units to see how well that works from a communications perspective. I'll tell you, one of the biggest things that made me successful in my career was my ability to be very technical, but also communicate very technical things to people that didn't understand the technical aspects. And, you know, taking very complex things and boiling it down to somebody and having them be interested in it from a communication perspective uh, is a very difficult thing to have. But those communication skills uh, are extremely important. And I don't think we teach our kids a lot of that uh, today. You know, a lot of the kids that are coming out, uh, you know, really should have social interaction skills to be able to communicate those types of things to an organization. Because at the end of the day, let's just say you're working for, you know, a, a company. A company has to deal with thousands of risks all the time, supply chain risks, legal risks, everything else. Cybersecurity is one slice of a thousand slices that a business has to deal with every single day. And so, you know, being able to communicate what those risks are in an intelligible way, you know, increases your chances of being a leader within that organization because you can do that. And that's actually how I got my first CISO role at a Fortune 1000 company. I was a super technical person. But I communicated to my board, I, I you know, I would, I would uh, uh, have board meetings and they loved my presentation style and the way that I, I uh, uh, showed our progress and performance. And when my CISO departed, uh, I became the replacement and got promoted to CISO because of my ability to communicate and to lead the team. So, you know, you get those opportunities, not, not that often. I got very lucky on that, on that side. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's because I was able to be able to really communicate and be a leader within my team and to get more on that business side and understand the business, which I think made my career much more. Yeah, definitely on that one. I even know people that became CISOs that were like VP of sales, believe it or not. Um, but that was just, it's because they know how to communicate. They know how to show the risk and like put a dollar amount next to it. Um, also letting the board know the importance of like investing in certain parts for the security team. It's really about communication and being able to lead. So if that is something of interest and you want to go on the business side and management, honestly, check out a lot of leadership books out there. And then also, um, you know, communication is the most important thing when you switch over to a business side. Next question we got. I certainly didn't pose the question targeting trust sec and 60% is more like a metaphorical value. I do agree from certain roles, only trusted people are required. Yet it's unfair to the candidates who weren't at the right place, right time, although they're really qualified and skilled, perfect tailored to the role. Yeah, un unfortunately, you're, you'll go through your times where you'll be interviewed for a job and, you know, sometimes they'll ghost you, which is unfortunate and it shouldn't be something that should be happening at all. And you could be so skilled and qualified, but once that's happening is they, they'll hire someone internally and then you don't get that opportunity. And yeah, it's hard. That's across all industries and, and across all roles right now. But, you know, you just keep on trying. Every time you get a rejection, if you can... Um, or if you don't hear anything like they ghost, keep following up. And then also what you want to do is ask them, you know, if you do find out that you're rejected, ask them, can I know what were some of the reasons behind it? I would love to learn so I could do better next time. And believe it or not, keep that communication going because that might open a door for you some other time when they have another role like that opening up in a year or two. I've had that happen before 
I highly recommend doing it. Keep those channels always open if you can. And I also want to emphasize too, and, and, and I, I've said that I said this before last time, if you're reaching into an organization that um, you don't have an already established relationship with, um, you know, it's it's very difficult to differentiate yourself, right? Uh, because you're, they're getting a bunch of resumes and you have to get through two, two, two levels, basically. One is going to be through HR and they're going to look at, do you meet the technical qualifications of what is being posted for this position? So as long as you get past that, that's good. Now you got to get to the hiring manager, which typically will have an understanding of that role and what it is. Um, for me, and, and, and there's a lot of disagreement and, and a lot of agreement. So it's a mixture of, of things, but I can tell you as a hiring manager myself, um, I really enjoy cover letters. Uh, and because cover letters are your way to explain who you are aside from your resume. Your resume tells me your experience, but your cover letter doesn't tell me anything or my cover, the cover letter tells me everything about you. So why are you interested in joining my company? What would you bring to my company? Why are you qualified for this position? And ultimately, what's your passions and skills that you can bring to us that we could, you know, teach you and learn, you know, have you learn from and everything else? Um, that's really valuable. And if you're even um, just spending five minutes or ten minutes looking at the company website and who works in the positions, you, know, you can see. Well, hey, you know, I was checking out your site and I noticed your security program looks really mature, and you have a number of folks working in these types of technologies. Um, it's definitely something that I'm very interested in getting getting a hold of. That shows that you care about the company that you're uh, applying to, um, and that's going to get you an additional step past what you typically would, I think, in the, without without that cover. Uh, absolutely. Um, our next question: I've completed a course with Security Plus, but have not done the exam. But I'm interested in being a pen tester. What are the main basic skills to have to apply for an entry level, and should I focus on doing the exam? What tools or skills should I prioritize to be confident in applying for a junior pen tester role? I would definitely recommend checking out our pen tester career path on Cyberry. It is it gives you everything that you would need to get started and learn all the tools that you would really need to understand to get started. Another thing I would recommend is checking out a recording. We had a webinar uh, role dive. So we do these role dives on a monthly basis where we dive into certain roles in security and we have a guest that joins and that guest. It happens to be in that role and talks about how they got into it, how they stay in it, what are the skills they need to learn all the time. And I highly recommend checking out the one with Phil Wiley on pen testing. I thought it was a really good way to understand what that job would entail, what are the skills you need to learn. Um, but I would say do that with the career pathway. And now I'm handing it over to Dave. Dave, what else? Well, I do want to say I've taken a look at the syllabus and coursework for uh, Cyberry and, and fully agree. You know, you're, you're going into the foundational aspects around penetration testing. You're getting into Wireshark packet analysis. You're getting into networking. You're getting into password cracking. You're getting into applications. So it's giving you a well-rounded understanding, but technical depth into those areas. And, you know, again, when you can put on your resume, I'm familiar with Metasploit or Cobalt Strike and Nmap and all these tools, you know, you use Responder and this, that's a big plus for me because I'm like, okay, cool. You understand the, how to use a tool, but most importantly, you understand the concepts of why you would use those tools um, in what situations and scenarios and what that means. That means that I, I, you know, I have to spend six months less training you on tools, but more so on our process and how we do things as an organization. So you know, for junior penetration testers, finding a, a curriculum like Cyberary um, that can help you get those foundational skills that you can put it onto your resume 
uh, put those on your resume, even if you're not perfect at it. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm definitely not perfect at Python, but I've written a number of Python tools that are used in the mainstream, you know, uh, 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 infosec, you know, industry. Uh, and, and as long, you know, to me, it's as long as it works, it works, right? It's not, it doesn't have to be coded properly, but, uh, you know, I, I would say I'm always learning better ways of doing things. I don't know every flag in tools, but I understand when I need to use a tool, when I don't need to use a tool, what something's doing when I'm interacting with it, you know, um, understanding around active directory, cloud infrastructure, you know, all of those things are going to build your resume up for something that will allow you to really show that you have the fundamental skills to be that, that junior penetration tester. So I think, you know, going through those, those types of curriculums are, are really important. I also think showing that you have those skills in your resume and everything else can, can really make a big difference. Yeah. And, and honestly, uh, when it comes to just certs in general, if you're someone who is new and joining the industry, certs will help you get your foot in the door if this is a brand new shift for you. And the reason for that is you don't have those years of experience on a security team you know, employers do want to see that you have a cert at least. So I do recommend looking at certs. Of course, there's so many certs out there. Which one should I do? Um, and there's two ways how you can do it. We do have a Discord community um, through Cyberary. So if you just register on Cyberary, we have free content too, by the way, for those that, you know, are curious to see what it's like. Just register on Cyber and you'll get access into our Discord. Our Discord, we have mentors that are live at all hours and can give you so much mentorship on this front um, for any role that you're trying to get into. Um, also, there is a channel dedicated to pen testing. So that's also a great place to check out. There's also a certs channel. So you can also ask about that. Um, another thing I would recommend is don't be shy when it comes to our community. The hacker community is just a wonderful place. Reach out to some of these people like Dave, for example, DM him, ask him a question. You could DM me, ask a question. One of the things I highly recommend, if there's a role that you want to do and someone does that, message them. Be like, hey, I'm looking into this role and I want to explore it and I want to see if it's something for me. Do you have about 10 minutes for a call some point this week or next week? I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Something very short, simple, but say 10 minutes and be prepared for that conversation. I don't mean show up and you're like, so tell me everything that I need to know. Don't do that come with questions. They're going to probably tell you a lot more and they'll probably ask you questions to see if that would be a good role for you. So reach out. Don't be shy with people. If you want to get far in your career, you have to learn how to network. And the first step is being able to ask for help and to go out there. And you know, you may not get responses. You may get rejected, but that is part of learning. And it also should motivate you to prove to yourself that you deserve and that's the role that you want in your life. So think of that. Anytime a door closes, it should give you even more power to knock it down. Yeah, I can't emphasize enough on the building your network and, and trying to you know, introduce yourself to folks that, that may be able to assist you or have gone through the same types of struggles that you have previously in the past and how they navigated it. You know, mentorships um, in this industry are very beneficial for, for both parties because one, you know, you get to know somebody, you're helping somebody out. Um, and, and we're a very helpful industry. Uh, I think a lot of folks want to help other people out in any way they possibly can. And it's just a matter of making sure that you have the time to go and do it. And uh, I think, you know, when, when you look at, um, you know, the people that reach out, you'll find probably 95% of the, of the people responding will be receptive to that. 
but it's, there's also different, there's a difference between mentorship and asking every single question on the earth and taking up their time. So just be very mindful of people's time that you're asking for and only leverage them when you're really stuck, or you need questions answered or things like that. People are usually really receptive to help out. Absolutely. And it- and again, having a mentor will help you tremendously. So don't be scared to find one, but also do research, do research, please do research before you reach out to someone, because you need to understand that that's going to require homework too. So you want to make sure that you build in time in your schedule. So then you're able to learn the most you can, because also your mentor is going to learn so much from you too. Um, and then another thing is to do attend conferences. Uh, B-Sides conferences are amazing. They're affordable and it gives you a real sense of the hacker space, but also you'll get people that are on the corporate side there too. So it's an affordable way to attend and learn about the industry and also all the companies. And once again, I want to point out one thing. Almost every single company is looking to hire people on their security team, no matter what. So go up and say, hey, hi. Um, all right, next question. We have so many. All right, Dave, we're going to fast forward through all these questions. You ready? Rapid fire. Lightning round. Let's do this. What will be the roadmap for someone wanting to get into cybersecurity profession, but has no background in IT or has IT technical skills, but cyber, but cybersecurity background? I think, um, you know, uh, you can absolutely do that. You can have just a cybersecurity background and get into cybersecurity. You don't have to have prerequisites into IT. And I think that's the the big thing that we're missing uh, when we're training folks in a lot of this, yes, you need a foundational aspect around technology and things like that. But you do get that through cybersecurity. So, you know, we'll hire somebody, you know, that's specifically focused in cybersecurity, has no prior experience in IT or others. Um, so it's just a matter of making sure that you have enough experience in the areas or that you've applied, you know, you've applied learning um, that you've gone through that can demonstrate that you have that, those level of technical abilities uh, to join those. So I don't think it's, it's, it's required, but, you know, it can definitely help out if you need it. Absolutely. And once again, there are jobs out there that you don't need coding. So don't let, don't be one of those people that's like, I need to learn Python before I could get in cybersecurity. That's not true. There are people in this industry that don't know how to code. They just, they learn to understand it. Um, Python is amazing. I'm just throwing it out there. Yes. No, no. Python is definitely. But you should <laughs> you know, learn that. If that's what you want to do, then you should do it for your career. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. Next one. Oftentimes, uh, they say on Twitter, I keep seeing people posting that job seekers should tailor the resume to their position they want with a company. Do you agree with this? I, I do. I think uh, tailoring your resume to the position that you're offer, uh, being offered or uh, that you're applying for uh, is extremely important. So usually you see like an objective statement on top or, you know, again, your cover letter, which can have uh, something there. Tailoring that to, and trying to match up the experience with what they're posting in the resume Will, will be very beneficial for you to get that second look, uh, to go through um, and, to, and hopefully get that interview process and get the job. Um, so yes, aligning out your resume to the position, obviously making sure that you have the experience uh, for those, um, but definitely something that, that I would recommend. Yeah, you can always do, um, so in the past, what I did, I have three different resumes and it would be based on that role that I would keep seeing with other companies. So I would research like, okay, that role is posted multiple times from different companies. What are the skills and qualifications on there? All right, I'm going to just do that. So I take whatever I'm seeing all the time, put it in there, and I'll just reuse that one. Um, and then the cover letter, I'll be very specific about the job and why I would want to work at that company. So that's an, that is a way too. Next one. 
if you mess with these tools for fun, ethically, of course, I love that point right there, uh, but did not use them for work, is it still advantageous to show? Yes, absolutely. So if you're familiar, if you're familiar with the specific tool and you've used it in your own labs or other labs or through CTFs or whatever else, that's absolutely applied experience. Um, you know, you, you've been using that, you understand it, you understand what it does, even though you haven't been able to uh, apply it in a real world situation or scenario for a company or corporation, doesn't mean that that's not within your arsenal of experience. So, so absolutely, uh, if you're, if you're familiar with the tool, you're familiar with the program, you're familiar, you've, you've used it before in your labs, you've simulated through those, you absolutely have those technical abilities and those skill sets because you've taken the time to go and learn. And that's a huge benefit. I a hundred percent agree. Um, excellent. So I see that there are some questions in the chat, so I'm going to, hopefully I am not missing any of them, but if I do, please put in the Q and a everyone. So we don't miss them. Um, one is, uh, can you please share the cyber discord channel here? All you have to do is just register on Cyberry. Like I said, all you need to do is make an account and there you'll get access to get into our Discord community and that should do the trick for you. Um, next question I have here is, uh, people want email addresses for getting advice on how to get a cybersecurity job. I believe those were shared later on in the chat, so you all have it. Um, and another thing that I should mention is if you are thinking about joining cybersecurity, there's one book I always recommend people to read, which is the first Tribe of Hackers book. It gives you a real idea of different roles and how people got into space, what their job looks like, the best advice that they've, they could give to people and they wish that they knew when they started. Um, and basically it's all different type of roles, even like people in business operations on secure and security companies are also in there as well but I really do recommend it to get an idea of anything else. Is there any other books that you would, you, that you would highlight in particular, like one that stands out so much to you, Dave? There's a, uh, there, the, the tribe of hackers is a really good set of series. I think um, for um, cybersecurity experiences and books, you know, you have the, the, the blue team, red team uh, ones, you have a lot of different uh, people kind of going through their experiences and what they made them successful. I think it can provide a lot of um, perspective and experience. From the business side, um, there's a book that uh, Chris Nickerson um, from Laris Consulting originally, uh, Indy 303 on Twitter, uh, had mentioned to me when I was first starting my company. And it's called uh, Rework by the folks at 37 Signals. Now, they've gone through some, um, some issues lately. So, uh, you know, they probably should have read their book again uh, prior to those. But um, the book itself is actually really good um, and highly recommended. It's a very, real short read, but it's, it's really about how to get things done. Um, how to accomplish things in team settings and how to work together from a business perspective that applies to development, applies to technology, applies to cybersecurity. Um, I really like that one because it's kind of how I lead in many ways uh, in my role. So uh, Rework is a really good book that I, I heavily recommend. There's another one um, that comes to mind. It's uh, 97 things every info. Oh God, I will find it for y'all in a bit. Um, we did get a question, which is an interesting one. Is there a link between AI and cybersecurity? Depends what your definition of AI is. Uh, that's what I would ask next. Um, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, go for it. You know, I, I, I think uh, there are applied concepts for machine learning, um, being able to take structured data and to be able to apply large data sets. Um, to be able to uh, make informed decisions, especially from a defensive perspective and telemetry data. Um, when it comes to artificial intelligence being used uh, in 
applied principles in cybersecurity. I haven't really seen it yet. Um, there was a lot of talk around silence, creating artificial intelligence and this type of stuff. And they kind of fizzled and faded out. Um, I just, you know, don't think that that was something that was going to be sustainable. Um, and it's not that they're, they're gone completely. It's just, you know, you don't see them as much as you traditionally would have before in the past. So I, I don't really see it yet. Uh, it doesn't mean that there won't be. But when you're looking at kind of our issue, it's consistency around the data. And I think data telemetry is really important for us. And I think machine learning can help out a lot with willing down false positives and understanding what type of data we have. But at the end of the day, um, not yet, not yet. I found the title for the book and I'm putting it in the chat right now, which is 97 things every information security professional should know. That's a good one. If you're trying to figure out if you want to be in a more of a business ops role or like an executive role or management, um, but they definitely have technical folks in there too, talking about being on security teams in different roles. So I'm dropping that one in here in the chat. Well, everyone, just want to say a big thank you for coming and joining us today. Thank you so much, Dave, for coming back and joining us on oh, this fireside chat. I'm sure yeah, I'm going to be, yeah, I'm just going to be like, hey, Dave, let's do this again. So be Anytime. prepared. Anytime. It's going to happen again. It's always lovely to have you. Um, and everyone, if you're interested in learning more about David, his socials are in the chat. And by socials, I'm not talking about social security here. I'm talking about his social media. So anyway, feel free to reach out to him at any time. And yeah, and if you have any questions at all, feel free to reach out to me as well. And thank you for attending today's session. And I hope you learn a lot. And we hope we answered all the questions that you have. If you do have any remaining questions at any time, uh, do join our Discord and go into our lounge channel um, where I can answer any of the questions that you have and our mentors are there on standby. Thank you, Dave. And thank you, thank everyone. Thank you all very much. Have a great day. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Cybrary, the premier cybersecurity skill development platform, is empowering individuals and teams to secure the future of technology. See why 3 million people have already signed up when you visit www.cybrary.it.